With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle Sunra, and joining me is my co-host, Kayla Morton. Kayla, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty great. Uh, it's Thursday, November 7th. Uh, normally, we do part two of our week preview on a Friday or Saturday, uh, so there'll be no Thursday night recap. Uh, probably by the time you're listening to this, you'll have watched Thursday night football, so you'll know what happened. Uh, let me address that in uh, the Sunday morning stream. Uh, unfortunately, no Alessandro today, but uh, Kayla and I can uh, work down the fort pretty well, I think. Let's get into it. So week 10, part two preview. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, two AFC teams, Bills at Browns. Boom. <laughs> um, so, Kayla, uh, what do you what do you think about this game? Um, well, first, right off the bat, the two things that stick out to me right away is both quarterbacks shouldn't be played in this game, in my opinion. Um, Josh Allen, uh I, I really feel like he is a sit-em um, because I expect more out of a quarterback than low 20s and points uh, week in and week out. I know that Buffalo is uh, more of a run-heavy team, but, uh, you know, they were without Devin Singletary for many weeks in a row, um, and they do finally have him back. Um, so with him in the mix, Buffalo is de- is going to be running the ball more. Uh, there's no doubt about it, even though Frank Gore kind of fell off last week a little bit and Singletary kind of took over. Um but that that doesn't help Allen stock and the wide receiving core is just not that strong in Buffalo. Um, it's also not helping when, you know, your number one wide receiver, John Brown's dropping touchdowns or easy passes in the open field. Um, so there's just a lot working against Allen, um, even though there's a lot of teams on by. I'm not really for his matchup at home. I think um, even though he has the ability to be a mobile quarterback, and run the ball. I just don't think that there's enough working for him uh, to make him kind of a must start and not really even a maybe. Um, this game could be low scoring um, and there could be a lot of clock that's eaten up by both teams running. Um, and then Baker Mayfield has just been probably one of the most disappointing quarterbacks um, that was kind of looked upon to have a good year this year. Um, he's going to continue to be on my sit list until he can get some kind of 
streak together, some games together with multiple touchdowns or pull out some sort of a win. Um, The only multi-touchdown game he had came in week six against Seattle, uh, where he threw for one and had a rushing score. So he doesn't even have a game this year where he has multiple passing touchdowns. Uh, That's just a red flag. Uh, There's nothing about it um, that makes that look good. Um, He has only eight Uh, passing touchdowns this year and 12 interceptions so uh, also Buffalo has only allowed one quarterback to score more than 18 points this season and that was Ryan Fitzpatrick and Buffalo was um, also at home so you know maybe you say hey that that might help Mayfield in this case but uh, the Dolphins were definitely the worst team Buffalo has faced this year in my opinion um, even though they were coming together a little bit more so the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick was successful um, that's kind of an outlier um, and they should just both be avoided um, I think Buffalo's defense is not as good as we thought coming into the year uh, even though they've had a lot of lockdown games. I I just think that Nick Chubb is going to be able to run on them. And uh, the Browns are also getting Kareem Hunt back. So that might kind of cut into Chubb's time, but I don't think that he should be downgraded from a stardom. He's going to be the workhorse, even though Hunt has uh, fresh legs. But I don't really know how much um, Hunt's going to be used in the game. So I would wait um, just a week to see really how they use him. Um, but also, you know, Buffalo's defense isn't horrible so it might not be a real telltale sign of um how kareem hunt does moving forward but um i think both teams are going to be running the ball more so i like singletary like i mentioned a little bit earlier and uh chubb like i was just talking about um maybe for frank Gore, he did kind of drop off last week singletary saw a lot of the load um, it was the least amount of points that Gore had and the least amount of yards he had um, since beginning in the season when Singletary was there. So uh, I think that kind of drops off a little bit. Um, just because of the quarterback play, I'm a little nervous with the wide receivers on either side. I talked about John Brown kind of dropping passes, dropping touchdowns. Uh, he, I think if Buffalo has to throw the ball, though, they're going to throw to him. So I'd put him in the maybe category. Um, but otherwise, I don't really trust any other Buffalo wide receiver. Um, Cole Beasley, you could argue, I guess, um, that he could be a maybe. But he uh, has very minimal yards. His fantasy days have been saved by uh, him catching a touchdown. So I think Buffalo is going to need to get into the red zone for him to have that opportunity. And I'm not so sure that they're going to have a lot of opportunities for that. Um, and on Cleveland's side of the ball, I, I don't know how to trust, um, OBJ or Jarvis Landry that much. I mean, I don't think you're going to sit them, but I don't see them as a must start. I, I just think there's not many people you can really trust in this game. Uh, what do you think? I think that's spot on everywhere. I think, yeah, the one person you could trust the most is Nick Chubb, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where I see Hunt coming in is eating into Dontrell Hilliard's role and just completely taking over that. Uh, It's been, uh, last couple weeks, it's been a 60-40 split between Chubb and Hilliard in terms of snaps. But then it's more like a a 70-30 in terms of the actual touches and carries. I feel like that's probably what it's going to be going forward. Maybe a little heavier in this game. Might just be because they'll run a lot. Uh, As you mentioned, Buffalo, uh, specifically the run defense, I know the DVOA, uh, they're third worst run defense. They're they're worse than the Bengals, which is bad, but yet they're fifth best pass defense. So, you know, definitely where the beat them is on the ground. So I think uh, Cleveland will know that well enough. Um, The offensive line struggles. Yeah, I agree. 
neither quarterback, you know, maybe in super flex you can play them. But yeah, definitely in single quarterback, I'd look to avoid both. Like you're saying about Josh Allen, um, there's a floor there. His, he, you know, and that's what a lot of these rushing quarterbacks do. It, actually, his production this year reminds me a lot of what Lamar Jackson was doing last year. Um, you know, he had uh, against the Giants week two, he had 22.2 points. That's his highest so far. That's his ceiling. Like, that's not a great ceiling for a quarterback. But other than the New England game where he only scored 11.7, He's had at least 17 points every week. So at least Allen gives you a certain floor. But if you're feeling like you need to chase the upside with a quarterback, it's not with Josh Allen. Certainly not this week where, you know, the Browns have good edge rushers and good coverage. It's really, again, it's the run defense. Although, again, the DVOA, they're, they're below average in both pass and run. So you can kind of pick your poison. But certainly I think both of these teams are more well-equipped to run the football. So the, the, the players to trust the most are, like you said, Nick Chubb and Devin Singletary. Go with the running backs. Yeah. And I guess a little bit, John Brown has a little bit of upside. I mean, we saw Cleveland give up a 70-yard receiving touchdown to Denver tight end Noah Font last week. But the the defense should have been able to tackle him. I think Font broke at least six tackles, and that was an <laughs> embarrassing play for Cleveland. Um, so, you know, the breakdown in pass defense, kind of like you were talking about how it's below average, is there. Um, but I just am not. I'm not super sold on how John Brown has been playing recently, but um, I think that does help his case for a maybe if you're looking to fill in for all the buys of wide receivers this week. And I mean, if we look at um, that, the fact that Noah Chubb being a tight end, the underneath stuff, maybe being able to get some yak yards. I, I actually like what you were saying about Cole Beasley. I think that he fits into that role really nicely where uh, if Allen's under duress from that uh, Cleveland pass rush led by Miles Garrett, you know, maybe Cole Beasley's his favorite dump-off option. Uh, I, I also agree that Gore's role has diminished. It, it's funny. When they need to pass and it's close games and they need to, you know, not be so one-dimensional running, Singletary's getting most of the snaps. I looked at yeah. week one, 70% to 28%. Last week, 66% to Gore's 34%. Two weeks ago, 68% to 29%. His first... Yeah, and- the- I'm sorry. I am just going to say the first game back, Gore had more snaps, but since then it's diminished. Right. I was going to say in that week one game towards the end of the game is when Singletary had his hamstring injury occur. Um, But in that game, I remember he only had four rushes, but he had 71 yards and a touchdown. So it's not like he's just getting kind of these chump yards as he's making a difference on the ground and is getting the looks in the air. So I think Frank Gore's role is going to really fall to a backup. Uh, I think we'll see that next season. Um, But yeah, right now uh, it looks like they're progressing more towards that and working towards that. So Singletary's definitely a play here. Uh, just one player that wasn't really mentioned, uh, and I'm not really sure if it's worth it. it I, I was doing the snap counts from last week, and still stood out to me. Dawson Knox played 76% of the snaps uh, for Buffalo on offense, and Tyler Croft only played 26 uh, trying to check to see if Tyler Croft's hurt. He's not on the injury report, so I don't know if that was just coaching decisions, but we're talking about dump-off options. Again, Dawson Knox might be that, but I certainly trust Cole Beasley a lot more. But if you're yeah, Dawson Knox, end, yeah, Dawson Knox only had, I believe, it was either 14 or 16 yards last week, and he's really fallen off. That's kind of where he sits, even with multiple catches in the last couple weeks. I know he had a touchdown a few weeks ago, but again, that look that's looking more like an outlier now. And, um, you know, we talk about this a lot, like players out snapping other people. But if the production isn't there, then it doesn't matter how often they're on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The production, the, you know, the snap counts, just a, a kind of a key, a, you know, a path to success, but it doesn't indicate right. any type of success at all. You could play 100 percent of the snaps and see zero targets and then you're obviously going to get a zero. Um, 
So yeah, Knox is touchdown dependent with a not so great quarterback against a team that is probably about equally as vulnerable to both. But I would say, the you know again the Bills are more suited to run. So yeah, uh, Knox if you're really desperate. I mean, and we'll probably talk about a couple tight ends in this episode that I think I'd probably prefer. But I mean, technically you can do worse if your other tight ends on by or injured. Then obviously you want to <laughs> at least play someone who's playing. Um, you know, there may be a tight end in this next game we're talking about. Uh, certainly, certainly one for sure. Uh, not really a streaming tight end, but it's uh, Panthers at Packers. So on the Carolina side, obviously CMC is a must start. I have him as the only must start, but the more I think about it, the more I, I kind of lean towards Greg Olson being uh, yeah. in that that category of must start. He's not part of that, that group. You know, we talk about that group of seven or eight tight ends that aren't touchdown dependent, that just see a ton of, uh, of uh, targets. Uh, but even like, and again, Darren Waller only saw two targets last week. So even that top seven isn't fully secure. But obviously you need to, there's going to be at least 12 starting tight ends in every league, depending on league size. So uh, yeah, Olsen's probably going to be started everywhere. He probably should be started everywhere. Um, I know the one thing uh, that's really concerned with the Packers right now, just in general, but it'll certainly be um, with regards to guarding uh, someone like uh like Greg Olson is Adrian Amos hasn't practiced this week with a hamstring injury. Um, he played hundred percent of the snaps last week. This wasn't something that occurred during the game. Uh, I do wonder if maybe they're just resting him. He's, I mean, I don't think he's missed a, a defensive snap at all this year. So Amos has been kind of a, you know, he's been a machine out there and Oh, 94% of the snaps one week. I think that was the Oakland game where they blew them out and they started resting starters. But other than that game, he's played every single defensive snap. So I, no, no practice two days in a row. That's concerning. Uh, I think I thought after yesterday, oh, maybe it's just rest. But now it's started to be a real concern. Amos has been the guy that's been guarding tight ends throughout the season. They've played him. Uh, I know there was talk in the offseason of playing both him and Savage as kind of the hybrid free and strong safety, not having a distinctive role. But we've definitely seen Amos near the line of scrimmage a lot more covering tight ends. So if he's out and they're forced to have, oh, God, I don't want real Redmond covering tight ends. But uh Maybe Chandon Sullivan, who's come in and, and been a good free safety. You move and you move Savage into the box, but I, I this this is leading to a path to success for Greg Olson. So I think he's kind of been upgraded to that must start, even though I, I didn't write him there. Uh, on the Packers side, uh, you know Aaron Jones is a must start because uh, talking about the Bills defense, the only team that's worse than your Dolphins according to DVOA and run defense is the Panthers. Uh, but they're third in pass. It's very similar to the Bear, the Bills because they're third in pass defense. So where to beat you beat this team is on the ground. So I think Aaron Jones is going to have a great week this week. I think that giving him, you know, the ball to carry or just get simply getting targets is going to be a, a big key to kind of defeating that pass rush and forcing them to to cover more in, in in the run game as opposed to just pin back and get after the quarterback. Obviously, if CMC and Greg Olson score and then they're forced into passing, that's not so great, but. Still think Jones is going to be maybe second on the team in targets if that comes to that. I have Rodgers in a must start. Obviously, that burned me last week. It's probably not a great matchup, so he probably does flip between the must start and the maybe. Uh, I mean, in super flex, he's a must start. But yeah, if you're down to single quarterback, there might be some better options. Although I know one guy who's really established himself, uh, probably waiver pickup is Matt Stafford. I don't like his matchup against the Bears any more than I like this one. So that that but. There are some better quarterback options in single quarterback leagues. However, I do really like Devontae Adams. I mean, coming back, he saw 11 targets last week. Uh, and they're using him in the slot, having, kind of giving him that underneath almost dump-off role. They're probably going to use him again in that role 
this week. So I can see Devontae Adams getting right back into double-digit targets. And hopefully if that offense can move better, he could see some red zone targets. Like Because he didn't. All those, all those targets were between the 20s. Um, so in the maybes, I have Kyle Allen. The Packers have been vulnerable, but certainly more vulnerable on the ground. I mean, we saw it last week. You know, Rivers wasn't that great of a start because he didn't score touchdowns. Zero touchdown thrown. And he was throwing the yards, and there's some big completions. But, you know, if, unless your league is giving you bonuses for 40-plus yard completions, which he would have hit a couple times, he didn't really have a great game. So I could see uh, this being a, a big game for McCaffrey and not so great for Allen. So, um, again, it's he's a maybe. Probably not in, in single quarterback leagues. I think I would try to avoid him. Uh, Superflex, you, you can see. I think he, if you're, again, bipocalypse, six teams. So you may not have a choice but to play Kyle Allen at quarterback. Uh, and I have Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore both as maybes. Um, so one thing that concerned me last week was Kevin King only ended up playing 20% of the snaps. And I think that was a big reason why Mike Williams had such a good week. Because I thought King would shut Williams down. But really, uh, all of Williams' biggest play, big plays were when Jair Alexander was covering him. Not someone who's as great on the uh on the jump balls king was a limited practice participant thursday or wednesday sorry full practice today so i think he'll play um if i were to kind of predict this and last week i I wasn't right about it but i have been for a couple weeks i know the lions game i was right about how they would cover i i could see kevin king taking out dj Moore, and if king plays most of the game and and he could really shut down more so i between Moore and samuel i favor samuel this week although he's probably going to see a lot of jair alexander so i'm and that, that actually sets up as a decent matchup for uh, Alexander. That's why I have both in maybes. Uh, it's not, it, it's certainly, the, you know, where they're going to be exploited is with CMC and Olsen. But um, so more Samuel, uh, or Samuel Moore is how I'd order it. But even Samuel, I'm not as a locked in starter. Uh, and again, I mentioned Panthers vulnerability on the ground. I like Jamal Williams probably more than any Packers player not named Aaron or Adams. Um so, I, and I mean, he's he right now he's leading the team in receiving uh, touchdowns. He's got he had the only red zone targets last week. I could see another game plan where he's heavily involved. And uh, I guess one other maybe would be Jimmy Graham, I suppose. Since they've lost Thomas Davis, they're not as good at covering tight ends over the middle. So uh, I know, again, they used him similar to Adams as a dump off option. He only saw four targets and what did he accumulate? Like maybe he got to ten yards on four targets, even though he caught them all. Um, so it's not great, and you're really again looking for touchdown or bust. I think maybe Graham has a better touchdown chance than Dawson Knox, as we just previously talked about. Uh, part of that is simply quarterback play. I trust Aaron Rodgers a lot more than I trust Josh Allen. Um, but I'm I'm saying sit every other Packers player. I don't. Yeah, this. It's. I don't think it's going to be a heavy pass volume game. So I don't know that anyone else is really going to see the targets outside of Adams and and again Jones and Williams, and again maybe Graham. But outside of those four, I say sit every other Packers player. Marquez Valdez Scantling threw up a zero last week. He couldn't t- catch any targets because his targets are deeper. I don't see Rogers having that much time to find him deep, and it could be another goose egg for MVS. So I definitely would sit him and Allison as a dump off option, maybe. But they didn't really target him last week. Lazard's seeing the targets, but again, it tends to be deeper downfield, so I think that's gonna it's gonna struggle to connect there. So I'd say uh, avoid them all this week. Uh, you you want to add anything? Yeah, I like what you said about uh, Jimmy Graham being a bust, and I do like the comparison with Dawson Knox because I would be more comfortable um, playing Graham than Knox. And I mean, even though Graham has had five targets or less in the last five games, um, 
And with Devontae Adams back, that kind of hurts him. I think he is more of a touchdown threat than Knox. Um, so if you're going touchdown or bust like you were talking about, because all these teams are on by, I would start Graham over Knox. But really, Graham is one of your last resorts. Um, I think there are other tight ends that you could uh, look to stream. Um, one of them we'll talk about in the next game with the Dolphins, Mike Gesicki. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'm not I'm not super sold on Graham. I think you should try to avoid him if you can. Um, and I do also really like your call about Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. Um, I know I'm usually pretty harsh on Carolina receivers, and I definitely was when uh, Cam Newton was under center because I am definitely not a Cam Newton fan. Um, but I think the breakdown – I think you're right. The breakdown on um, who – Uh, the Packers are going to put on which receiver this week. Um, But I think Curtis Samuel is um, a more, uh, I don't know the right word, but he seems to adjust better uh, when he has a tough matchup on defense. So even though he's likely to see Jair Alexander, I think um, the the plethora of routes that he runs, um, whether that's in the slot or on the outside or kind of just across path in the middle, I, I think um, he definitely has more upside than Moore, who I feel like kind of just runs on the outside. You might see him cross over in the middle a little bit, but um, I just think Curtis Samuel does more, and I'm going to take the player 10 times out of 10 who has more options to run different routes away from guys that are shutting him down. So um, I definitely like the Samuel call over more. And it's okay. funny, with you talk about body types, you figured DJ Moore would be more of a red zone threat. Samuel has seven red zone targets and two red zone carries. Moore on the season has four red zone targets and only one carry. So five total opportunities for Moore, but nine total opportunities for Samuel. So even in the red zone, they're using Samuel more. Right. So then if we're going to talk about somebody who's being used in the red zone more, you have to look at Devontae Parker. The Dolphins Mm. are traveling to Indianapolis this week. um, And originally this game was a one o'clock game. And the only game that the Dolphins didn't have at one o'clock was a Monday night football game in Pittsburgh. So if you're a Dolphins fan, uh, this is exciting that you get a a later game and you might have more eyes on you as a team. Um, Even though we we picked up um, another injury and have a suspension in Mark Walton, um, it's just a little, little more pep in our step as Dolphins fans to see our game at 4.05. But um, Devontae Parker, um, you know, there were some questions beginning at the beginning of the season and in the offseason if he was a number one wide receiver. Now, I'm not sold. I did a whole column about how I didn't think he was a number one receiver. But based on the uh, depth chart right now, he's the clear cut clear-cut number one, and he's finally starting to play like it. He has a touchdown in four of his last five games, and the four touchdowns ties his career high. Yes, a former first-round pick, his career high in touchdowns for one season is four. So not only can he get a career high in touchdowns for a season in Week 10, but he also has a chance to double it. Um, So with Preston Williams going to IR after tearing his ACL, the targets that Williams was getting, I they have to go to Parker or they have to go to Gesicki or they're just going to be randomly dispersed between uh, Albert Wilson, who's healthy now, Jakeem Grant, who's also healthy, or Alan Hearns, possibly. Um, Parker has a good relationship with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Parker also just moved into the top 15 wide receivers in the NFL for fantasy this year. Um, so I don't think a lot of people um, have owned him. I know waivers have passed, but if he's available, uh, it doesn't hurt to have a number one wide out on your roster, especially in a week when there's a lot of people on by. 
Um, so then maybe uh, Mike Kosicki, he's a name that I really haven't used in a fantasy podcast. Um, I'm talking about my team in a positive way, but uh, he has 20 targets in his last four games. He only had 11 in the first four. And last week he had a career high 95 yards and a career high in catches six. So he should see more routes run like I was talking about a little bit earlier. Um, and he should also be used more as a pass catcher. Uh, so I like that uh, the targets are going to him, the catches are being hauled in, and uh, I think with the injuries um, and the Dolphins definitely having to throw the ball more, um, he's he's a streamer. I would definitely take him over Graham, Knox, and I'd probably put him a little bit higher on a list than some other people. Um, I also am sitting a lot of Dolphins players, however. Um, I'm going to put Ryan Fitzpatrick in that category. Even though he has seven touchdowns in his last four games, including five in his last two, uh, like I said, Preston Williams is on IR, and uh, Mark Walton, their starting running back, just got suspended for four games um, for one of his three off-season involvements uh, with the law. Um, and this one, he got nailed for performance-enhancing drugs. So he's not eligible to return till week 13, which puts Kalen Ballage, of all people, starting at running back. So uh, the Dolphins reported that they're going to put rookies Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskins in the game in some capacity, but Ballage is going to start. Um, but with just all of them being a discombobulated running back committee um they're looking more like the Detroit running backs now that whole big mess up with a committee and not really getting any production uh losing somebody in your past game and not really having a run game doesn't help you as a as a quarterback um so my major concern is that the Dolphins won't be able to move the ball enough to keep possession to get into the red zone. Uh, so that's going to limit his production and getting points from touchdowns. Um, I just touched on Ballage. Just don't even consider it. He's not Mark Walton. He got benched for Mark Walton. Walton proved he could run behind um, this O-line who's been struggling all year, and Ballage couldn't. That was the main thing that Brian Flores was talking about, was that Walton could work with what he had, um, and Ballage just can't. He has a terrible two yards per carry or less, and he only has double-digit rush yards twice this season. Um, and then Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, I think you have to sit them because they've rarely been used. Um, they are both coming off of season-ending injuries from 2018, so even though you know they're back playing, um, how much of them actually being 100% is yet to be seen, even though they don't carry injury designations. I think you should see how their roles are expanded first before you trust them in your fantasy lineup. Um, and then also Laird and Gaskins, like I said, in the running back committee. Um, both of them are making their NFL starts at running back. Now, you have seen Laird play special teams, but he hasn't come in as back yet. Um, the poor offensive line, again, just isn't going to help them in any shape or form. Um, and not really knowing who will get what share of the load makes them just really vulnerable. Um, I You can't trust them. There's, there's other people out there. I mean, go pick up Ronald Jones. He was just named the starter in Tampa. Um, they have a good matchup with the Cardinals. Uh, there's there's other guys out there. Um, you can also always DM us on Twitter uh, individually or, you know, to the podcast group if you have any questions. But definitely any running back in Miami, just, just don't even consider it. Uh, what do you think about that, Kyle? Well, first off, that was an amazing transition to this game. Well done. You you should be hosting, not me. I'll just blab on. <laughs> no, that's okay. I like you as a host. Oh, well, thank you. 
Uh, and yeah, I think again, you talk about Kasiki. I like him better than Graham and Knox. I think that's we're gonna have we're starting to get compare comparison sticks in this game, and I, I think or in this episode, I think uh, yeah, Kasiki's probably the best one we've talked about so far. Of those sort of maybe tight ends, uh, the, you know, the potential streamers that you could go after. Um, now the Colts, their pass defense is it's above average in the DVOA, and their run defense. I didn't even get to Indy, my bad. I can oh, do yeah. that if you want. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah but. Uh, Okay, so just the one thing I want to mention about Miami, I'm really high on Gaskins, but I still don't know that I would want to play him this week. Of the rookies this year, I had pre-draft, I had for my film grade, I had the fifth highest after um, Montgomery, Jacobs, Sanders, and Justice Hill. It was Gaskin next and kind of took, I know, you know, when he got, what did they take him in the seventh round? That took a bit of wind yeah. out of his sails. So uh wasn't quite as high on him after that. But before the draft, I really liked Gaskins. And I think he's the best running back here. So um, if you're going to start any of them, I would say Gaskins. But even that, I wouldn't do it. It's still too early, too risky. Right. Well, I care about the Dolphins so much that I just forgot they even had an opponent. But uh, for Indianapolis, I promise I did my research. Um, Jacoby Brissett, you're going to start him if he's healthy. Um, But the problem is he's not 100 percent and they don't know if he's going to play this week. Um, However, Miami does have the ninth best pass defense in the last three weeks. But even so, Brissett will be able to tear them up, honestly, in my opinion, even though he'll be missing T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell just because of his success with his pass catching backs and the relationship he's building with Zach Pascal. Um, I also think Pascal's a must-start in this game. Uh, He proved that he can step into a number one wide receiver role, especially last week in Pittsburgh. He caught five of six uh, targets for 76 yards and a touchdown. Um, So now that Paris Campbell is out with a broken hand, he's getting more looks, and Pascal also moved into a top 20 wide receiver. Um, That being said, I think this game's going to be really run-heavy no matter who's in at quarterback. So Marlon Mack, um, he's averaging 23 and a half carries in his last four games um he'll likely get a touchdown and could possibly have some long runs i think he's just going to tear him up on the ground um because the dolphins have the 29th ranked rush defense we're finally not last but we really aren't that great um and then i'm also going to throw jack doyle in there their tight end um He's going to see the most increase in targets with the wide receiver injuries when it comes to the tight end group of him, Eric Ebron, and Mo Alley-Cox. He's already getting more looks in Ebron. He's scoring more than Ebron, even though it's limited, um, and he should secure more yards just because of that this week. Um, So I like him out of all three tight ends. Um, That being said, I could throw Ebron in there. I put him in the maybe this week um, just because of the matchup, but he's definitely not being used in the passing game as much as Doyle, so it's kind of hard to trust. Again, I put Gasicki opposite him on the field, and before I'm going to put in Ebron this week uh, just because of Gasicki's upside. Um, I also have Brian Hoyer in as a maybe. Obviously, that depends on uh, Jacoby Brissett's status. You're not going to start him at all if Brissett is in. Um, But if Hoyer does get the start, he came in as a backup last week and tossed three scores on the road in relief. Um, He's going up against a poor defense. So with so many teams on by, that's really not uh, that bad of a matchup. 
Um, I think he has enough people that he could use in the passing game to give him a, a solid fantasy day. Um, and that being said, I also like Naeem Hines, the pass catching back for the Colts. Um, I predict close to a double digit targets for him in the pass game, honestly, just because they're missing so many people, especially against a weak defense. Um, so India has really shied away from usage. Uh, if you guys remember from last season, he was used frequently throughout the year as a pass catching back. And it came a lot when they played poor defenses like they're playing this week. Um, so I think he's due for an uptick and it could be the best game for him this season just because of the matchup um and then I talked about him a little bit earlier but Mo Alley Cox he's just not being used as a tight end or receiving scheme like last year uh he's not really having any production so you have to sit him I just want to add one player into this and it's Chester Rogers uh still not great though he's going to be for a receiver touchdown dependent which isn't great certainly you'd rather go with zach pascal but rogers did see five targets last week still hasn't surpassed 50 yards in any game so i'm hesitant i think that the players you mentioned uh obviously doyle mentioned pascal hines ebron i'd probably trust them more but if, if you're really desperate at receiver i don't think chester rogers is the worst option you could do um, the only thing I really disagree with you, and this is getting to that point, right? Uh, I think I like Ebron more than Gusecki or Gusecki. Um, Ebron has six red zone targets on the year. Gusecki only has one. Now to that, I will say though, first on the Dolphins right now is Preston Williams with 11 red zone targets. And he's, as you mentioned, out for the year. That's really unfortunate because he was looking really good for a rookie this season. Starting to really establish himself. Uh, third on the team right now is still Kenyon Drake with three red zone targets. So that's, you know, both of those are guys are vacated. So maybe Gasecki starts to see it a bit more. But I, I think the touchdown upside still belongs with the Colts just because I, I could see them completely blowing out the Dolphins and the touchdowns could be all over the place. So I, I would prefer Ebron to Gasecki, even though I still do think Gasecki's a decent streaming option. As for uh, Brissett, he was a limited practice participant both days this week, Wednesday and Thursday. So I think he's trending towards probably playing. Uh, might end up being a game-time decision, but yeah, uh, obviously you want to have Hoyer on tap just in case because I think it's a matchup that's worthy of, of streaming him if he it does play, though. Right. Uh, we can move on to Rams and Steelers now. So on the Rams side, uh, I think Cooper Cup's an obvious must-start at this point. Uh, I do wonder how much Joe Hayden he'll see, but if they are playing in their three wide receiver sets like they like to do so much, he'll, he might end up seeing Minka Fitzpatrick, which isn't that much better. Uh, but certainly that hurts Robert Woods, I think, if he has to see Joe Hayden. So uh, I'm kind of on, on the maybe side with Woods. Uh, I think I'd play Goff. There are, are going to be better quarterback matchups out there, but I think there are definitely worse ones because the Steelers have gotten a lot better at run, uh, on run defense. Still actually pretty good in pass defense, too. They've really grown. Actually, yeah, in the DVOA, they're ranked sixth. So they've really improved their pass defense. So it may not have to be that great, actually, for Woods. I think Gurley's an okay option. I'm hesitant to say must start, even though I feel like I, I don't... Saying a maybe might be a little too much disrespect for, for Gurley. Because um, he does still get enough red zone work. And he's starting to catch passes now. Uh, at the start of the year, that wasn't happening. So that was concerning. But he's, he's come along better now. I think Gerald Everett at tight end at this point. Uh, and here's an interesting one. Uh, I think I may rather have a Jack Doyle, but I don't know if I'd want to have Ebron just because he's not on the field as much, whereas Everett's really kind of become that, and he's really seen an uptick in target share since Cook's been out. Cook hasn't practiced this week. Um, you know, With the concussion, I 
you know, you have to kind of trend towards thinking he's going to be out. So it means more. Yeah, he was ruled out already. Oh, he was ruled out. Okay, so uh, I think Everett's a, a pretty decent play this week uh, at tight end. I don't know that he counts as a streamer, um, but I think he he'll he'll be in for a good target share. On the Steelers side, um, this is going to be interesting to do. See what happens with James Conner. Limited practice participant Wednesday, but did not practice Thursday. So it, I think it all comes down to Friday. If he, if he, you know, did they not practice him Thursday so they could give him a full go Friday? We'll see. But it's it, you know, going from limited to DNP, that's kind of concerning. Uh, I think either way, Jalen Samuels is going to be a great play with this pass rush. They're really not going to be able to throw the ball deep. So dump offs to Connor and Samuels. If they if they both play, they'll probably be the the two t- uh, top targets on the team this week. So I'm a, a full go on Samuels. I think uh, he saw seven red zone opportunities last week. Second to only Josh Jacob in the league last. Uh, and Barkley. Barkley saw eight. So those are the only two with more red zone chances. He had four carries, three targets. Uh, especially in PPR leagues, I think Samuels a must play. Where it gets tricky now is with the receivers. I think Vance McDonald's actually a decent streamer. Not to the point of Everett or Doyle or probably Ebron. So they're not quite there, but better than better than Dawson and Graham. I think McDonald Gesicki is where it gets kind of interesting because uh, I don't think that either have a great chance of scoring a touchdown. So it's pick your poison there. I, th- I mean, I, I think I'd lean McDonald because we've seen him do it more this year, but I uh, certainly can't blame you for going Gesicki over McDonald. I'm scared of Juju this week. He's probably going to see uh, the Rams have changed corners so much. I don't can't even remember who, who do they have. Oh yeah, Ramsey. They have Ramsey. Juju's going to see a ton of Ramsey, so uh, and he hasn't proven that he can beat those top end corners. So I'm uh, I'm not saying sit Juju, but definitely on the maybe side that leans more towards the sit than it does a start. Uh, pretty scary. I almost think I'd rather trust Deontay Johnson just because of the better cornerback matchup. But as I mentioned, this Rams pass rush is I think is going to prevent an already you know uh very hesitant to go downfield type of quarterback and mason rudolph to be even less likely to, to throw it downfield so more towards the running backs so uh play the steelers receivers at your own risk but i mean outside of juju and, jo- and johnson no one's playable there uh james washington has just not appeared at all in the nfl it seems he's so much pro- promise and hope but just can't seem to get it going uh, for Rams sits, uh, I'm not crazy about Josh Reynolds this week. I know with Cooks out, he'll he'll see a, a bigger role. But uh, whereas last year, he you know when he came in for uh, Cooper Cup, he really was the third guy there. But now it seems like Everett's established himself in that. So I'm I wouldn't play Josh Reynolds this week. Anything to add to that, Kayla? Yeah, um, I like your call about a, a bust on Juju. Um, not necessarily sit him, but I. Uh, personally, I think I'm going to start Larry Fitzgerald this week over Juju Smith-Schuster, and I know that sounds crazy because of what Fitzgerald has done the last couple weeks, but the uh, Cardinals are going against the 28th-ranked pass defense, and Jalen Ramsey is not a part of that. Um, so I think that game is going to be really back and forth, and I just think um, Juju is really going to struggle this week. Um, I Do I think he can beat Ramsey? Yes, but like you said, he hasn't shown that he can beat the top corners in the league, so I like that call. Um, I also am going to put Jared Goff on a bust alert, though. Um, I know that before he went into the bye, he had good fantasy games of 26 or more points, um, but he also did play Atlanta and Cincinnati, so both of them have pretty atrocious pass defenses, um, but what works well for him is that both 
both of those games were not at home. So he seems to be proving that he's doing well on the road. This game is in Pittsburgh. Um, so I think that there's some upside, but, you know, with Cooks out, um, it, it, can hurt him like you said uh not too sure if we want to play josh reynolds so it's kind of like he loses a guy um in the passing game and if you're pittsburgh you're going to be smart you know he's going to try to go to cooper cup so if he really can't get it rolling with uh getting the ball completed to a lot of people i think he really could bust yeah um so quick question on on golf would you play him over aaron Rodgers? Would I play him over Aaron Rodgers? Um, that is a good question. I wish that this podcast allowed for more time for me to think about this. Um, no, I would not play him over Aaron Rodgers. I, I agree because Rodgers is going to have his full complement of weapons. If Adams wasn't playing, I would probably say Goff, but because Adams is back yeah. and he's got everyone, not having Coop, uh, Brandon Cooks, that's your big deep threat to stretch everything and open up everything over the middle. I know Reynolds is probably going to play that role, but it, it's not as much of a threat as Cooks is. So, yeah, I think I think that's kind of the breaking point there. I think I'd rather go Rodgers, but there probably are too many quarterbacks in between those two that I'd go. Anyone that has worse matchups would be below Goff, and anyone with better matchups is going to be ahead of Rodgers. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think we can get to in our Sunday night game now, the Vikings at the Cowboys. Two teams that I know the two of us aren't really fond of. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to not root against them, but I, they don't necessarily need to win in my book. But um, anyway, you know, uh, this is this is going to be a true test, I think, for Kirk Cousins to see how much he's worth because here we go. He's in prime time. He's going to be struggling. Um, so I have him in the maybes, but we'll start with who I would start for Minnesota. Um, you got to start Dalvin Cook. He has double-digit fantasy points in every game he's played this year. He's used heavily in the past game, too. He has more than 100 total yards in seven of nine games, and the two games that he didn't have 100 yards, um, he's still gotten double-digit fantasy points because he had touchdowns in those games. So there's really no case that you can make that you're not going to start him. Um, and that goes with Stefan Diggs as well. Um, he's going to be used as a number one receiver. Um, Kansas City's game plan clearly was to shut him down, and it worked. He only had one catch and probably was one of the biggest surprises last week. But he's averaging seven uh, catches per game, and he's doing so much better um, in his rapport with Cousins than they were at the beginning of the year. Um, there's no doubt that Cousins is going to have to use him in this game, and I think he's going to do well because Adam Thielen is not going to play. Um, so then... Cousins, though, even though he has to use Diggs, uh, he's a maybe for me. Um, he's not going to have Thielen. Um, and interesting fact, only Case Keenan and Sam Darnold have 20 or more fantasy points against Dallas. So uh, those are two interesting teams when you look at who played Dallas. Obviously, the Cowboys lost to the Jets, um, but bringing in Case Keenan, that's an interesting little fact. So uh, Dallas is really good at locking down quarterbacks, um, but obviously because of the bipocalypse, you might need him. Um, so then looking at the wide, other wide receivers, B.C. Johnson, he's not targeted a lot, but he gets the red zone targets and scores. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, so he might be good for a pay dirt touchdown. Um, and looking at Laquan Treadwell, just because of the high scoring, could be argued the same way. He was actually their leading wide receiver last game, um, so he could have a higher volume again with a higher scoring game and Thielen being out. Um, but looking at the sit side, Kyle Rudolph, I can't believe he got a touchdown last week, but he did. Um, but the, la the, the last week, it 
it was an outlier. It the touchdown really just doesn't make him fantasy relevant. I don't care. That's going to be a high scoring game. I'm going to be. I just need to quit if he gets a touchdown again. Honestly, um, I was just blown away that he found the end zone. Um, but anyway, Alexander Madison, the backup to Dalvin Cook, um, he usually comes in the game when they're up. So I don't think they're going to be uh, up in this game. I think it's going to be a close game. So he likely won't come in the game a lot. And if he does, it's going to be minimal work just to kind of give Cook a, a breather. Um, so I'm not trusting him. Um, on Dallas, the only sure lock I have right now based on the injury reports we have uh, is running back Ezekiel Elliott. He has 100 yards or more um, and 25 and a half average for his carries in the last three games um he was held on the end zone for just a second time this year but he's the fifth best back in the league so he should be able to find the end zone in this game um I'm really confident in that I like what uh he's he's doing I like all the options that he's getting um you have to start him he's you know like I said the fifth best back in the league um you probably took a a flyer on him when he was passed over because we didn't know about the suspension so you waited and you waited for good reason and you'd have him on your team you're gonna play him um maybe I think Dak Prescott's uh status of being a maybe or being a start really depends on Amari Cooper um Cooper is a start if he plays obviously he's expected to play but head coach Jason Garrett said he needed to log a practice, and he preferably said a full practice. So the good news, um, that's good news, but we'll have to wait for tomorrow's report just because of what Garrett said. Obviously, Sunday's um, inactive report will be the telling tale, but we might get an answer tomorrow. Um, but that being said, since we don't know, you can only put Amari Cooper in a maybe, and I think that's why you can only put Dak Prescott in a maybe. Even though Minnesota has given up, a lot of touchdowns in the last few weeks. Cooper's the number one guy for Prescott. Um, if Cooper's absent, he's going to have to put the ball into the hands of Zeke Moore, which helps bode well for his start. But then the wide receiver duties fell on Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb, and that's a significant downgrade to Amari Cooper. Um, so then also for better reasons, Jason Witten. Um, I put him in a maybe category this week, even though he doesn't have any touchdowns since week two. He surprisingly got nine targets last week, um, and he caught eight of them. So the more volume, the better. And if you put a touchdown on that stat, he had 58 yards, so you get double-digit fantasy points right there. Um, I think he could find the end zone. Um, I have thought that in recent weeks, but I think he does have a good chance, especially if Cooper's out. Um, For the sit side, I don't like Randall Cobb. He's getting a lot of targets, but for short yardage gains, he only has one touchdown this year, and it came in week one, and he hasn't had double-digit fantasy points since so not only should you probably not start him you probably don't need to roster him um and that goes with Blake Jarwin the tight end opposite of Jason Witten he's averaging just one catch per game and even though it was for a 42 yard touchdown last week it's kind of like Andy Isabella like we talked about in yesterday's podcast um he's not sustainable enough for fantasy so uh quick thoughts here um so first off with Rudolph it might not be that surprising that he's scoring touchdown. He's actually leading the Vikings in red zone targets. He had three last week, so it's uh, that's not to get three red zone targets. It's not that rare to score on that. Uh, has eight on the season. Um, was tied with Thielen before last week in red zone targets. So I don't know. I, I might be more inclined to play Rudolph than I would be to play BC Johnson or Treadwell. 
Uh, like you said, though, Cousins isn't a, it's not the greatest play. Uh, you mentioned the quarterbacks that had success against the, uh, the Cowboys in terms of fantasy performances. You mentioned Darnold and uh, Case Keenum, right? Those Neither of those teams can run really well, so they had no choice but to pass. All the other teams have just been running right through them. I don't know, the Packers did that. Aaron Jones had four touchdowns. The Eagles had that same approach, although the Eagles, it was they, they actually, actually they didn't have the same approach. They couldn't afford to run. Um, they were down so early, but uh, we've seen that with other teams. It's just, you know, you can just run right through them. So obviously Dalvin Cook is going to be, you know, I think, a decent chance to be the running back one this week. Maybe maybe Zeke has the, just as good a chance too, though, because uh, of where those corners are. Um, you, did you mention Michael Gallup? Sorry, what was that? Did you mention Michael Gallup? Uh, no, well, kind of. I said that the targets would go to Gallup and Cobb, but I don't know. He only caught two passes last week, and yes, one was a touchdown, but I don't know. I, if Amari Cooper doesn't play, I think. Gallup goes to you have to play him because he's going to be the number one wide receiver. But I just don't like his play. I don't like how he's been playing. I don't think he's a great fantasy call, in my opinion. I actually think Gallup is hurt by Cooper's absence because, as you mentioned, he'll be the number one guy. So he's going to see Xavier Rhodes and not Trey Waynes, who I think he can he can handle. Because Gallup has seen a big target share and has had games where he's gotten double-digit targets even with Cooper on the field. So I don't know that he's getting a target bump at all. He's probably going to stay at where he is, and, and I think, yeah, Cobb and Witten are going to see more. So I do like the call of Witten as a maybe. Uh, I don't know that I like him more than your Gasicki call, for instance, just because I think uh, Miami's really going to struggle on the ground and have no choice but to go through the air. Yeah. Uh, and, again, Vikings defense is, is solid. So Gallup does scare me this week. If Cooper plays, I actually, I actually like Gallup because he's going to be healthier than Cooper. Uh, is going to see probably a weaker cornerback matchup, and and I think he he that's where Gallup will, his best result will come if Cooper's in the game. Whereas I don't I'm not crazy about Gallup if Cooper's out. Right, I agree. All right, and we're moving on. One last game, Monday night, Seahawks at 49ers. Um, so the obvious starts for the Seahawks are Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, and Tyler Lockett, just because they've done so well this year. Uh, I may be scared with Tyler Lockett just because. Um, this 49ers pass defense has been pretty incredible. Uh, and a lot of it's been the pass rush. And that's the one thing that Wilson can kind of defeat, though. He can get out of the pocket and scramble. I think the 49ers are going to need to uh, kind of change their approach a bit and contain him in the pocket more. I think that's what, where he may not have his best fantasy game. But, you know, where you attack the 49ers is on the ground because it's really scary to pass against them and against that pass rush. So, yeah, not no fear with Chris Carson. I get some fear with Lockett, but I think you got to play him no matter what. Uh, the the Seahawks defense is not. This isn't 2013 anymore. This this uh, Legion of Boom is uh, Legion of whom are we talking about here? Uh, so I think Jimmy G's a good play. Uh, might even be a better play than someone like Jared Goff, for instance. Uh, just because again, the Seahawks defense isn't. It's kind of on the down. They're they're dealing with some injuries, whereas the Steelers defense is on the rise. So. I think that's kind of where that meets the road. I don't. I don't know that I'd want to play Jimmy G over Rogers though. Uh, it'd be close. That'd be a tough decision. That's probably right. That's probably right where he's at. Um, I think Tevin Coleman's a decent play because he is getting enough red zone work. It's unfortunately he's going to be kind of touchdown dependent here. Uh, saw two red zone carries last week. Uh, is leading the team in that regard and in total red zone opportunities, even though he's missed a couple games. Uh, so there's that. I, um, but the 
49ers have been allowing touchdowns on the ground. Obviously, George Kittle's a must-play. I think Emmanuel Sanders, who's gotten there and has instant chemistry with Jimmy G, I think he's the, the best 49ers receiver to play, for sure. Uh, on the Seahawks side for maybes, I have D- both DK Metcalf and Josh, Josh Gordon. I think they can both succeed against these corners in the same way. It's just with Gordon coming there, is, is Metcalf still going to see the same amount of targets or is Gordon going to get those targets? So it's it's really tricky. Um, it's tricky to play either this week. I, I would I feel like I'm leaning more towards the avoid. I mean, for instance, so I have Metcalf, Gordon is maybe. I have Samuel as a maybe. Of those three, I think I'd rather play Debo Samuel. Um, again, not great corners on the Seahawks. So, uh, with Sanders' arrival, Samuel's still getting the target share. Um, I'm saying avoid both defenses because I, I could, as much as you know, the class, you know, if we think two, three years ago, we would have thought a game like this would end up being like a 12 6 game or something. But right now, these, especially the Seahawks' offense, is clicking so much. I don't think the 49ers are going to be able to just rely on their defense. We saw Jimmy G come alive last week. Uh, when he needed to against the Cardinals, surprisingly put up some points against them. So I do wonder, maybe it was a short week for the 49ers. That's why they were the defense wasn't quite as good. Maybe they were looking for this matchup and they're really focused on it. So there's a chance, but I'm too scared to play either defenses. Uh, and with Gordon's arrival, I think you've, you know, David Moore, Jerron Brown, I think they're droppable. Uh, it's going to be, I mean, it's not a, a necessarily a high volume passing offense in general, but with them, with Gordon there, I think those guys are going to struggle to see even two, three targets a week. Uh, and then Jacob Hollister sort of established himself as the tight end to be, but I don't know if that was just a one-week thing and maybe Luke Wilson gets more snaps again. But yeah, I think where the success is going to be on the ground. So outside of you know Carson, Lockett, and Wilson, it's tough to trust any Seahawks player, really. Uh, and I'm saying sit Dante Pettis. Yeah, he scored the touchdown last week, but didn't he do it on one target? Like, yes. it's not... It's, <laughs> that's your only target it's it's tough to to trust uh and it's strange the last couple weeks they've been passing a lot more in the red zone than what they're used to i wonder if that that reverses this week and they go back to running it a lot more which is what they've done up until the last two weeks um they've only had two red zone carries total over the last two weeks which i I remember two weeks ago doing my red zone report i was shocked they didn't run even once in the red zone because they're typically one of the higher favorite uh, you know higher splits of run to to pass in favor of running in the red zone so uh, I don't know. I, uh, Pettis has really seen, uh, you know, got somewhat a better target share or uh, snap share last week, but it's still Sanders eats into it. If Sanders wasn't there, I would certainly like Pettis, but not. I think at this point, you, he might even be droppable. Tough to tough to hang on to him. Anyway, what do you uh, want to add to this, Kayla? Yeah. Um. So you were talking about Hollister. Um. Luke Wilson has been banged up with a rib injury for a little bit. Um. When the report that came out today, or actually that hasn't. They haven't reported on Wilson's injury all week, actually. Um, but he said that he, himself he would make him play. He indicated that his rib injury it really isn't that bad, and he could play. So it might downgrade Hollister, except for the fact that Pete Carroll didn't agree with him. Um, so I think it's going to be really telling uh, when a report comes in about them. Because if Luke Wilson doesn't play, I like Hollister as a sleeper because I actually think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Um, like you said, this isn't going to be one of those 12-6 to six matchups. Um, and I think, you know, someone that you're not looking for in the past game now that Josh Gordon is there would be Hollister. So I think he's he could be a sneaky uh, touchdown guy. Um, obviously, that's going to be a big risk play. But I think he, he has the components to get into the end zone. Um, but, yeah, I like your call for Russell Wilson and Chris Carson and Tyler Lockett. Um, 
I'm not really as afraid to play Lockett like you are, um, just with his the way that he is working with Russell Wilson and his target share and catch rate, uh, they're, they're going to throw to him. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think he'll be able to make a difference in the game. Um, and I, I like Lockett this week. I'm also really interested to see how Metcalf and Gordon work together. Um, like you said, they're going to beat the corners in, in similar ways. Um, so I'm going to like to see how Gordon plays with Russell Wilson. I'm actually really excited for it. Um, but yeah. That's all I have. So just a quick question about uh, Jacob Hollister. Do you like him more than Gesicki as a streaming option this week? Um, I think it's about even. Only because I think Gesicki is going to get more yards than Hollister, but I think Hollister has a better chance to get a touchdown than Gesicki. Yeah, I agree. I think Gesicki gets the bigger target share, but yeah, the, again, when you're tasting tight ends, a lot of time it's touchdown dependency. So I would probably lean Hollister because of that in mind. But it's, I mean, it's a tough defensive matchup regardless. It's just, uh, I I have so much faith in Wilson. I know we talked about it last week. I think he's a top three quarterback in the league, maybe even number one this year, at least in terms of play this season. I agree with that, with Alessandro's take that he probably is the MVP at this point. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, so um, my faith in Wilson. And I get, and again, as you mentioned, you shouldn't really be afraid of Lockett. I guess maybe the 49ers scare me a little too much um, <laughs> because, again, his connection with Wilson's great. And it's and you mentioned targets, and it's where he's getting these targets. He actually led the NFL in red zone targets last week with five. Well, and he has 16 on the season. That's got to be close to the league lead. I didn't get that far. But, yeah, um, he's been a kind of a stalwart in that red zone report every week. Um, I know Edelman has 18, and then Lockett's second with 16 this season. So he's right there. He has more than Mike Evans even. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that I think wraps up uh, week 10 pretty nicely. Kayla, do you want to have any final words? Just always go dolphins. Right. Uh, do we, do we say go jets for Alessandro? Or just nah. No, we uh, don't. Snoopy bowl. That's all we got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but thank you all for listening to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us the, on Twitter at FPC, at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. Uh, Kayla can be followed at MortonSalt74. Myself, Kyle Sunner, at Yama underscore KS, our absentee co-host, Alessandro. You can follow him at AM underscore Senator. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, check us out and all the other Full Press coverage family on the Full Press Radio Network. This was week 10, part two of the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.